Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. And welcome back to the Football by Football Podcast. This is your host, Matt Chatham. Fired up to be joined today by one of my old teammates. This is a special show. Ted Johnson, old Colorado Buffalo and former New England Patriots head hunter there at the middle linebacker position. TJ, what is going on, man? Hey, I'm good, Matthew. Thank you for uh, having me on. I have to admit, this is my this is my first uh, podcast, so I'm very excited to be having my first podcast with you, buddy. So I appreciate <laughs> you thinking of me. I'm looking forward to it. No worries. It's virgin territory. It's uh, these are always fun. It's just free form. I mean, I've done a lot of uh, more formal radio like you do for living down there now in Houston. Uh, this is just we're going to flow. We're going to go with it. We're going to have a blast. But uh, one of the things I want to start into and why, you know, when I was trying to think of people to have on for today's show, I, I you know, I. I know you're sort of in what people up here jokingly refer to as Patriot South, you know, having, having rack our old coach, Romeo Cronelton and our old buddy, Mike Vrabel uh, coaching there as well. And they've got, you know, Billy O'Brien is up here as the OC and then two quarterbacks that used to play here and, and Vince Wilfork at the nose. And it's just so many similarities. And I would, I will freely admit I was one of the people, uh, Maybe I was swayed by hard knocks and how uh, charismatic our buddy Braves was, <laughs> but uh, I, I was I kind of bought into the idea that this was going to be a huge turnaround year for them. So you're you're certainly much closer to it than I am. Uh, I had I could honestly say I've caught segments of games and seen highlights. I haven't seen a wire to wire from them. Um, sort of just your big picture takeaway on on what's going down down there with the Texans. Yeah, Matt. It's um you know it's it's surprising to a lot of people. Um, you know, the, the one and three start, I think, partly, you know, there's for for a few reasons. And, by the way, I think a lot of people went over by Bill O'Brien and Hard Knocks. And so and I, I love his coaching style. Um, yeah. And everybody got to kind of see it up up close and personal. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's – I mean, he's, he seems like a, a player's coach uh, where guys, you know, guys seem to, you know, respond to him and he's engaging and he seems to, you know, have care about his football players. Uh, but he also kind of has a, a – a level of accountability that hasn't been around here for a long time. So he holds guys accountable, um, but he's also kind of a player's coach, which is also, you know, a delicate balance, uh, if you know. But uh, to assess the problems down here, the one and three start, um, I think big, a big part of it is obviously the question marks the quarterback. The, the quarterback uh, situation hasn't been good. You know, it's just uh, all, all off season. you know, you, you, they, you know, you brought in Brian Horry as a free agent to kind of compete with Ryan Mallett. Um, it was an open competition, and it wasn't decided who the starter was until after, you know, right before the third preseason game. And right. so Brian Hoyer's name, you know, he's named the, the starting quarterback week one. He's pulled after three quarters, and then in comes Ryan Mallett. And everybody here wanted Ryan Mallett anyway because there's a feeling here that everybody, you kind of know what you're getting with Brian Hoyer, that he's been around enough, there's enough game tape on him, that you kind of know what his ceiling is, whereas Ryan Mallett – you know, he, you know, he was behind uh, Tom Brady for the first three years of his career, and then he was traded down here last year and only played in two games uh, because of an injury right. and did really well in those two games. So um, it was – the issues at quarterback was never really been settled, and then, he, you know, he changes after three quarters. Um, and so people, you know, like, well, wait a minute. Is it, there's this, it feels like there's an indecisiveness in his, in his, in his uh, kind of coaching style. Um, that's a huge issue. 
Uh, the fact that Arian Foster hasn't been, wasn't healthy the first three games of this season was an issue because this is that's going to be huge. The issues you have, yeah, I mean the issues you have at quarterback. Um, you're really going to need to lean on the, the running game, and he just you know he only came back in this past game and really didn't didn't do well. The whole offense didn't do well. But then I think really the more disappointing part, Matthew, is that you named you know all the guys that are from the defensive side of the ball down here. Is this supposed to be a you know, this is, you know, a lot of people thought this was going to be a top-five defense, you know, obviously anchored by Brian. J.J. Watt, Brian. And it just it just hasn't been the case. It's just really kind of been a disappointment so far this, of the season with the defense. So I think the quarterback uh, issue with the defense not even coming close to live up to expectations are kind of the crux of people's frustration here. When I, when I just, again, as an outsider, kind of just, observing the team um I, I maybe there's that that thing inside me that wants to i don't know if the it's not the word make excuses wrong but have an explanation for why things haven't gone better for the offense i mean i, I do I, I obviously i think my sentiment with brian hoyer and, and even ryan is, is probably much similar i think to houston people that uh there's a ceiling you know i don't think there was any misgivings that if you handed the job off to him you were going to get pro bowlers uh but I, the thing that I, I, I don't know feel bad is the right word, but just that I want to put sort of an asterisk to it is you, you touched on a little bit, no Arian Foster. And I'm thinking this, this reminds me a little bit of a year ago when sort of the Teddy Bridgewater led uh, Vikings offense. And all of a sudden you don't have Adrian Peterson. Well then, you know, the kind of offensive lineman you have, the kind of scheme you run, everything is predicated on hard cell play action in this dude that's going to get 30 to 35 carries. And then the offense doesn't have that. And, you know, with attrition, there's no Andre Johnson. DeAndre Hopkins is a nice player, but is he a number one? I don't know. Fantasy owners tend to like him. But, you know, beyond that, you don't have hyper production at the tight end spot anymore. It just it just doesn't it feels to me a little bit like if I'm if I'm if I'm. Brian Hoyer, in my head, I'm saying, you know what? I dealt with this in Cleveland, too. <laughs> like, if, if if I had a lot of weapons around me, I'm not claiming I could be a pro bore, but I could certainly steer the ship. Is there anything to that kind yeah. of perception? Yeah, I, you know, well, I don't think the last part is there's there's nobody's going to buy into that last part because I don't right. think anybody thinks Brian Hoyer is a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL to even warrant getting weapons for, you know, getting weapons for, gotcha. you know, it's like an Andy Dalton, you know, like an Andy Dalton, right? Matt is like this, you know, he's like, he's, he's pretty good. I don't think he'll ever be great, but he's pretty good, but she, to be pretty good at, and he's having a great start of this season. It's been really, uh, it's, it's right. been phenomenal, but you would expect that because you have Tyler Eifert at tight end, and you have AJ Green, and you have Gio Bernard, and you have Jeremy Hill. I mean, he has the weapons. I think for Andy Dalton, he needs, those weapons to be Andy Golden. Um, but, you know, down here, people, and I think it's maybe unfair, people didn't even give Foyer a shot. When they brought him right. in, it was, oh, he's just bringing him in because, you know, they know each other from, you know, from New England days, and that's his boy and, and that right. kind of stuff. And I was like, hey, you know, let's slow down. Let's give, this, let's give this guy a shot. Because if you look at last year at this time, Matt, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, and nobody was sold on, on Fitzy at all. And I and he he did he did I think statistically he had one of his better years here last year, but it still wasn't close to what right. you know you needed to get done to be you know a perennial winning kind of team. And so I just thought, look, I think Brian Hoyer was probably an upgrade at that position uh, as far as an athletic standpoint, arm strength standpoint, and knowledge of the system standpoint. Um, and that's what I thought. I thought, well, and I thought the defense was going to be just a, a lot better. 
uh, this year, obvious for obvious reasons. You bring in Vince Wolford to be the nose. You still got those, you know, great, uh, the great defense, you know, JJ Watt and, and Cushing and, and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and so it was, I was like, well, hold on, let's just give this, give this thing a chance and give uh, the benefit of the doubt with Brian Hoyer. But, um, it was, it was just really, nobody wanted it. Everybody wanted Mallet. And here's the, the thing about Mallet is everybody loves his, his right arm, the thunderbolt of a right arm. And Matt, you know, like right. it, every really great quarterback has quote unquote, like a superpower, whether it's their feet, scrambling ability, strong arm, and that's his superpower. Um, and so right. everybody wanted him in there jump. And he, he, he wasn't announced the starter at jump, but he was obviously week two. And now we've seen, I think, a lot of people now, and now that Ryan Mount's been the starter of the last three games, uh, he's, he's one for two and really hasn't performed that well, even in the win. They're like, okay, we've seen enough. So there's apathy has right. set in in Texas, and that is the worst thing, I think, for a fan right. base. When you just kind of – you don't even care anymore. Right. No, because you're thinking, yeah. oh, okay, well, we're just going to sit and wait for Billy to pick Christian Hackenberg next year or something like that. And well, that, that's uh, that, that's, a terrible. That's, ex- that's exactly right. I mean, we're kind of anticipating. And I think people, too, Matt, just to that point, are nervous because we don't know what the plan is for at the quarterback position. You know, that he, right. his first year here, Bill O'Brien had the number one overall pick, okay? And it yeah. was a consensus. Everybody knew J.D. Clowney was going to go number one. I mean, the only guy, you know, do you, do you take Blake Bortles out of UFC, who's, or excuse me, UCF, and, you know, right. like that would have really, like a reach. And who's going to attach themselves as a first-year head coach to a quarterback if things go bad? So he did the safe play, but people are nervous here, Matt, because we don't know what the plan is for that position moving forward. Well, I can understand that, TJ. And one of the things I always think about that, you know, just having been around the game as, you know, as long as I have and you even longer, you see just how much sort of fortune and good timing helps people. I mean, you happen to be the the guy like Billy was holding the number one in a year where there were a lot of question marks about the quarterbacks coming out. You're talking about Bortles at a, at a, at a I think that's Conference USA, wherever UCF is, but it's certainly not a powerhouse. So maybe there's some question marks about him. And, you know, everyone doesn't know what the hell to make of Johnny Manziel. And then you've got Teddy Bridgewater, who was if probably the first overall pick if he came out the year before he stays any year and then people are having conversations about hand size and all sorts of goofy stuff and maybe he looks yeah. like he's the he's the guy they should have taken but it just wasn't a great year for quarterbacks so you kind of sit there in no man's land and I think they take Tom Savage but you know he was kind of everyone's fat pick in the you know later rounds a kid out of Pittsburgh and I don't think he's am, am I right to say he hasn't been a factor in any of the considerations down there now no you know Matt it's um and I'll tell you, yeah, let me answer that question. And I just want one thing about Bridgewater after his so. But Savage, yeah, he was drafted in the fourth round. And um, if you look at the data, the data about, you know, any quarterbacks that are drafted in the rounds four and after, it's like yeah. the success rate is like zero. Other than like Tom Brady's exception, <laughs> and there's some good right. names in there. But it's just right. usually if they don't go in the top, you know, two or, you know, top two or three, then they usually don't uh, – you know, they usually don't make out. But I, Tom Savage was, like, one of the most improved players in this preseason in training camp. He was fantastic in preseason. But he was never oh, wow. considered, like, one of the guys competing for the job. It was always, of course, Ryan Mount and Brian Hoyer. But he was he would get his chance in these preseason games and, you know, light it up. And, and, and when I say light it up, he made good decisions. He didn't, you know, he didn't look like the, the, the rush affected him. The ball came out fast. 
from an operational standpoint, he looked confident. He looked like he knew what the hell he was doing. Um, and he's got the arm strength. And so all of a sudden, he was starting to get some momentum, you know, even though we knew he wasn't involved in the quote-unquote competition. And then he gets hurt in the fourth preseason game and puts on IR. If he did not get hurt in that fourth preseason game and put on IR, I would be curious to see how things have unfolded to this point, what would happen. Because after he bit Brian Hoyer after the first game, you put in Mount the last three games, it's been terrible. They put Brian Hoyer back in the game last week against Atlanta, kind of in mop-up time, and then he lit it up. Um, I'm like, they were just clamoring, right, for Tom Savage to get in there. But it's all a moot point because he's right. on IR anyway. Right. Well, you know, I, I, to put my pom-poms forward, I mean, I hope they figure it out. I, I actually think Brian Hoyer's a great guy. Uh, he deserves some success, and he just seems to have had a run of bad luck, and you're right. He's not a high-ceiling guy. I totally get that. And I don't know Ryan Mallett that much, but, uh, you know, clearly going down there, getting a gig, and getting hurt, and then having the, the Rockies start again this year, not good for him either. Teddy Bridgewater was the last pick in the first round, and, I, uh, and Minnesota traded up. Uh, I think with Seattle, to get Teddy Bridgewater. A lot of people here will hold the Texans accountable for not trading into the first round with that last, that 30-second pick in the first round to get uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So everybody's looking at the Teddy Bridgewater thing and saying, how, seeing how good he does, and if he does really good, they're going to hold it against Bill O'Brien because they could have traded up to get him. But that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. But that's the narrative here. There you go. I, I, do. I wasn't aware of that. So at 32, what did they take, or 33 or whatever it was? Uh, they took uh, Xavier Suofilo out of UCLA, and he has been hasn't been good at all. He was good. Uh, Not a quarterback, so, apparently. Uh, <laughs> no, he's he's. A, I'm sorry, he's a left guard. He's a left guard out of uh, UCLA, and he has been gotcha. so far to this point a real bust. And so the fact that he's kind of been a bust, uh, and the fact that you still have issues at quarterback, and the fact that you see Teddy Bridgewater making progress every every game um, makes people even more frustrated. Each week we try to pick a guy and pick something that you learned from the week before that you were a little uncertain about, but now you know. Uh, Andy Dalton is a guy who I think has been shit on by just about more people in professional football in the last several years. He's kind of a guy who, when when you hear a guy's name become a punchline, it's like you say Andy Dalton. Just say Andy Dalton and think Andy Dalton. And because I've, you know, you hear the ginger jokes, you hear, you know, like, you know, it's just, it's Andy Dalton. Like you can say Andy Dalton and it's supposed to have meaning just by virtue of saying his name a certain way. And I don't, I think he's a good quarterback. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. That's what they say, game manager. But one of the, if you're you're playing word association game and you say Andy Dalton, people are going to go game manager. Like, right? I mean, that's right. kind of how he's <laughs> Right, right. It's certainly how it's been painted. And also, I think, you know, Rocky Boyman, a linebacker from Notre Dame, a former NFL dude, is on is works for us, writes for the website. Uh, and he lives in the Cincinnati area and does radio out there. And it's just there's such a feeling about him that's almost half like anger, like him, respect him, and then secretly deeply hate him or something, you know, because he's had a lot of good regular seasons and then they just haven't been able to pull through in the playoffs. But for my what we learned, I think I learned that they're for real. And, and it's it's one of the things that I talked about a lot last year where I didn't want to come down on as hard on him uh, because 
I was a little bit excited about who I thought they could be because I thought they had all that complement of players. Tyler Eifert at the tight end position, you know, Jeremy Hill is looking like this stud and Gio Bernard or whatever his name is. Uh, you know, all of a sudden they've got a full complement. But you know what? Then they had Marvin Jones go down, I believe it was. And Muhammad Sanu was limited at times. And it's just A.J. Green. Eifert's on IR. All of a sudden, like, you know, the theory here was that he's got this full complement of guys. He's going to be able to do it. So last year just kind of went down the tubes. Uh, and they were one of the most beat-up rosters left in the NFL once they finally did arrive to the playoffs. Well, now we have them off to this super smoking hot start. And I think in the first several games, they've actually not been – ridiculously explosive on offense. They've had a couple of close games. So I, I, what I learned is I think they can win a lot of different ways. I saw them come back from behind two weeks ago where they had to score twice in the fourth quarter, which showed some balls, which, you know, you never know if that's an issue with them. They seem to sort of have the moxie part and they've won four different ways. So for me, who gambles a little bit, you know, we do our links or lock, excuse me, locks stuff on the website. Uh, I, I look at them as a team that's a relatively safe bet at this point, a team that uh, I like just for sort of the balance on the defensive side. I like them getting that veteran in AJ Hawk, a guy that maybe limited a little bit more than what he used to be 10 years ago, but he's still a good leader. Uh, he, he's got good energy to him. Great communicator. Uh, they've got Michael Johnson back at the one defensive end. So they have some length and athleticism for some of those movement guys that play on the edge, especially in that division. If you got to play Vic, Things like that. Geno oh, Atkins yeah. looks like the same dude. All that stuff. Man, I'm, I'm a mouthful here, but I like the depth and secondary all up and down the board. So I think that team is built to win. The unfortunate part is they are on the side of the ledger with the Patriots, which means going through there. So I may have just said a lot for nothing because I don't know if that could happen. But uh, it's still, uh, to me, is not a fluke. Uh, they're a very legitimate 4 0 start. Yeah, that's 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 good stuff, man. Um, you know, I just worry about. I don't, I'm not a big believer in, in Marvin Lewis. Um, that's the guy that worries okay. me when it comes to Bengals. But um, for what I've learned, and what I'm learning, Matthew, is does what is going. I've learned that there are NFL teams that have great, really good, and elite quarterbacks that that undervalue their offensive line. I don't know what yes. it is, but. It feels like there's so many teams that have not so many, but there's a there's a handful of teams that have really good to great to elite quarterbacks that have really bad offensive lines. And I'm like, right. what is going? What is the deal? Like Peyton Manning, probably I don't know, probably his last year in Denver, you know, is my right. guess. They're whole off season. They don't address their offensive line. They have like undrafted free agents playing in there. It's unsettled. They had to get I forgot who they got the last second. Uh, to come in and, and play left guard, but like, are you kidding me? Why would you not spend money on an offensive line to protect right. you know, Peyton Manning? Last night, you know, Russell Wilson, six sacks. I mean, you got Indianapolis, you got, I, I know Andrew Luck's playing bad right now, but for three years, they have not protected Andrew Luck. It just doesn't make sense. There seems to be a, several teams uh, this year that just thought, you know what, we can get away with any offensive line and we'll be fine. And and, uh, and that'll be okay. And it just boggles the mind that that's the mentality. Ryan Grigson is like hailed as this great general manager in Indianapolis. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like to me, the Colts should have already won a Super Bowl by now, right? I mean, I, yeah. If they had a defense that was could stop the run last year, and they had an offensive line that could maybe protect Andrew Luck a little bit better, maybe who knows? I mean, chances are they're still not beating New England, but you get my point. So for me, right. Matt. It's just it's it's that I just I just I'm boggled by that and I've learned that like there's just teams that undervalued the offensive line, um, and even when they have really good quarterbacks and it just 
shocks me that there's there's teams like that. No, I'll tell you one last thing too. You know what else I've learned is that the AFC East is the same old AFC. East. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There I mean, you go. I mean, look. Oh, the Bills. Oh, the Bills. Week one. You know, Rex Ryan. He's a change. You know, Tannehill signs a new deal, and they sign Domicon Sue, and you know, it's gonna. It's the, finally the Dolphins and the, and the Bills. Are, you know, now you got. I think Todd Bowles will be is great. I think he's gonna be a great coach at the, the Jets. But you get my point, right? I mean, it was gonna be right. different, and there's teams that are legitimately good. No, no. What I've learned is AFC yeah. East is still the same. Teams. It is. You're, and you know what? I, I'm, I'm probably one of the bigger sort of. Uh, Build up the other opponents, guys out there. I am. I'll be full full disclosure. There, all my cards out there. I, for this reason, I, I thought the talent level was as close to the Patriots as ever. They'll never beat them. I, I'm not saying that, but I think there was this perception, and maybe rightfully so, that it's been a cakewalk for years. Uh, the one thing that's, I mean, if you were an advocate of what you thought maybe the Bills could potentially do, it's been pretty much the worst possible scenario for them right off the bat. They have. Right. Uh, you know, they have Sammy Watkins go down. I mean, they moved up so far in the draft, that guy. They sacrifice other picks. And when you don't get that kind of high-level production out of that dude right away because he's been banged up several times in two years, you know, that's it's probably two other nice players you could have had for the price of the one. You just have to be a superstar when they do that for you. Uh, and it's just, unfortunately, he's been nicked up a little bit in his early start to his career, so it hasn't been there. And then they lose LaShawn McCoy. So it's like basically their one and their two are gone, and then now you've got this young could be something quarterback, but who knows who's all of a sudden lost his top two weapons. And his, now his top his top target becomes Percy Harvin. Like Percy Harvin was on the back end of the yeah. Jets roster a year ago and unwanted by the Seahawks, and that's now your your number one bet. I mean, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. So it is, but you're, uh, there was a small window. It looked available, but uh, it seems to be kind of sort of circling the drain already. It's fantasy season. Are you ready to dominate your league? Download the free Sports Manias app. You can simply import your fantasy team from Yahoo, CBS Sports, and ESPN and get personalized feeds from fantasy football experts. Breaking news, scoring opportunities, fantasy points, and milestones. With Sports Manias, you get real-time updates on your players to make smarter lineup decisions. Alerts every time your players are in the red zone. Sports Manias brings you a new fantasy tool that gives you an edge to help you dominate your league. Get your fantasy on with Sports Manias. Next thing we always try to do here at the end of each show is we do an unanswered question. Uh, this segment's called Unanswered Questions. Unanswered Questions. I really, really, really want to know. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know. I want to know. Okay, I'm going to tell you. And uh, for me personally, I have one, and I'm, full disclosure, you know, um, FanDuel has been one of the sponsors of the show, so I've gotten into fantasy football oh, yeah. a little bit this year for the first time in my life. And, you know, it, it's been kind of one of these situations where, I, oh, I, again, full disclosure, I took Andrew Luck as my quarterback, and I have Marshawn Lynch as my running back. So, obviously, I'm having a hell of a season. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah. I want when I when I go to my unanswered questions, uh, and I don't mean this as some sort of snarky former New England guy, uh, I actually appreciate quite a bit what the Seahawks do uh, as a team, the way the organization's built, the way they've distributed cash, the way they've weathered this sort of quarterback who makes nothing and now he makes a whole bunch and trying to you know right. manage a lot of egos, manage a big roster. I get it, and I I like their style of play. I think you know you you were I, I believe you were drafted by Pete, right? By Pete Carroll, TJ. 
It was um, it was Bill Parcells, 1995. You were Paul Parcells, Parcells guy. Okay. I was I played for him for two years. Uh, then Pete came in 90, uh, 97. I played okay, for Pete gotcha. for three years. You did play for Pete. Okay. Well, anyway, so I guess my point is, you know, I know it's different. I know it's wildly different than what I'm used to in New England with with Bill, but uh, it, it's still something that I can appreciate. It's still something that not knocking these guys. But that said, my big unanswered question is. Just what the hell's going on with a running game? And it's not so much that, that Marshawn Lynch is injured, although that's clearly part of it. And it's 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 not entirely fair on my part to go that route if you know you look at Arian Foster being gone down where you're at, or if you lose your top guy, I get it. It's 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 not gonna be what you think. But there are also issues. There's been a lot of conversation about the offensive line, and some fair. They let Max Unger go, they do the trade, they have, you know, yep. bring Jimmy Graham in put him in location at tight end. He has no business there. He looks so much more comfortable when he's extended away from the formation. He's not asked to be the point of attack. Oh. I did a breakdown of for my uh, for, for the website for Football by Football and then for my Fox column uh, a couple weeks ago. And I, there was it was an unbelievable thing, TJ. Uh, in location, uh, at, at, on the line of scrimmage at tight end, Jimmy Graham was run away from virtually the entire game. So you can imagine as a middle linebacker what that would be like. You just line up and you know point of attack. Like if it's run and you know you have a down and distance and a personnel thing, you it was unbelievable. So and people made so much a deal about – well, you remember the, the end of the game thing in St. Louis when uh, they that final fourth and one play or whatever. He Graham was lined up in loca- he Graham was lined up in location. He was lined up at the tight end spot, and you watch the the Mike linebacker and the Will linebacker flow so incredibly quickly because as soon as it was run, they knew which side of the ball was going. The field's cut in half, you know. So anyway, my big my big audit. Let's say again. They're 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 not even keeping teams honest by sometimes running to them just to right. know, just to keep them honest. I mean, I mean like yeah, it's uh, that's that's crazy that they and it was funny. I mean. They 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 brought him in knowing all this anyway. That's right. the line blocker thing. They know he's not a good end of the line blocker, but they did it anyway. So they never. I Isn't didn't it crazy? Yeah. Isn't it crazy yeah. how that happens? Yeah. Oh, they you think you can change him? Like you like literally, dude. There's been there's been years and years of film. Uh, in New Orleans, they would sub Jimmy out, and and uh, Ben Watson would actually come in, and they would do two, two tight end personnel with Jimmy out of the game. And when they would go twelve, there was times where they'd go Y Y, and they would take Jimmy out for that stuff. And it's, I mean, he actually looked more comfortable yeah. in the Monday night game because they extended away from formation. He's he's sort of done with the end light stuff. But my big unanswered question is basically this: I watch. I watch Russell Wilson, and I watch him miss a lot of plays. I mean, he he misses a lot of stuff that goes on in front of him. I think he bails on pockets quicker than anyone. Uh, that I'm not knocking him. I still think he's he's got some abilities that no no other person has. He, he does some really unique things, but because I don't think I think he's a very average sort of reader of sort of a lot of the initial progressions. He bails on pockets early, and when he bails on pockets early, that makes it hell if you're if you're a blocker if you have no idea what the hell is going on behind you. You know, you don't know what's going right. on behind you. There's not a real run pass conflict because they don't believe it because there's no Lynch back there anymore. You got a tight end that's cutting the field now because they don't believe him as a point of attack. There's all these things going on. So my big unanswered question I want to know in these next several weeks is: Can they figure this out? How is how are all these pieces going to fit together? I mean, they they just put up 13 points. 13 points in a Monday night game against a, a Lions team that was really struggling. I just, I just don't see it. I, I want it to work out. I, I, it makes sense to me if it will work out, but right now I'm, I'm really having a hard time seeing how that will flesh out in the end. Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's funny to me because their, their formula for success was 
running the football. You know, I know there's always questions right. about the tight end, but that was their – to, to trade away Max Hunger to the safe, that's just, you know, that didn't make sense. You, you Stick to who you are and your identity. I guess for me, Matt, my unanswered question is – I, I just think you know, the Broncos are 4-0 at this point, and it's because of their right. defense. My other question is, is this offense for the Broncos, is this legit enough to actually be considered a real true – um, Super Bowl contender because right. I, I, I had questions about Gary Kubiak going there as the head coach and working with Peyton Manning um, and everybody's, oh, they're pros, oh, they'll figure it out. I'm like, really? Okay, because you got two guys that have completely different philosophies on how an offense should be and Gary Kubiak was brought there, I think partly because, and honestly, it's because they wanted Kubiak to change what Peyton was doing. Peyton could rack up a ton of yards and a ton of points in the regular season, but we know that, you know, when it gets cold or when it gets to the playoffs, that it, right. it doesn't work against the better against the better team. So my answer question is is Broncos offense, is this a, is this an offense that's gonna figure it out because you see a lot of times, you know, they're trying to they go between offenses. You know, Derek Kubiak's offense is basically quarterback under center, a lot of that zone run stuff setting up the play action. It's a it's a kind of right. deceiving offense, and it's all based on, on uh, running a quarterback under, under center and running a lot of those stretch plays. Peyton, you can't do that. And so, to me, right. I just feel like that, that as elite as that defense is, this phenomenal defense, it's a, the offense is, going to, is not going to ever figure it out all season long. And John Fox was fired from there, and he would have took him to the playoffs, even with Tim Tebow as the quarterback, and that wasn't good enough for John Elway right. and Broncos. So, We'll see this thing working out, uh, but I, I need to see more. I guess is my point. I need to see more from this offense uh, if I think they're gonna, these guys are having a real shot at uh, winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, that's what our unanswered questions are all about. Not that it can't get answered, but we just need to see more. So I guess that's what we'll we'll yeah. kind of sit and wait. But uh, that is actually all we got today, TJ. I want to thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Appreciate it. Matt, anything you need, my friend, uh, it's my pleasure, buddy. Always good catching up with you, pal. All right. Take care, TJ. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast. As always, the FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the Football by Football podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily insightful stuff from all of our writers, make sure to check out the footballbyfootball.com page, the Facebook page, or also our Twitter, which you can get at us at FB by FB. That's at FB by FB. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.